The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of hockey. Hi, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Marin. <laughs> and this is Deep in the Heart of Hockey, a podcast about the Dallas Stars, fancy stats, and general shenanigans. Honestly, we're gonna, gonna have to be heavy on the shenanigans this time because we didn't get many questions. We didn't get many questions, and the Stars didn't do a whole lot. Like, that's the other thing. Now that the playoffs are over, the Stars are just like, okay, cool. What do you do with a very small number of picks that they had? Right? Exactly. Uh, it is October 17th, and this is our 126th episode. Do you know what's half of 126? 63. You know what's half of 63? I don't know. I can't do math that fast. 31 and a half. <laughs> I was going to say. I got it. I got there. We did it. Fanciest stats in the league right there. You know what's you know, <laughs> you know you know what's one third of sixty three twenty one, and this is relevant because one third of twenty one is seven, and seven is a prime number. <laughs> we do love a prime number. We do love a prime number. Seventeen <laughs> is also a prime number. Illuminati. <laughs> oh boy. Um, you will not hear my air conditioning kicking on during this here podcast, because even though I left it set on its lowest setting that I leave accidentally because, uh, it just hasn't turned on today because it is only 67 degrees outside. Holy crap. It might be cooler there than it is here. I can't tell you how excited I am about the fact that I walked out into my living room this morning and my air conditioner hadn't been on since the middle of the night and I was cold. Nice. (laughs) It is actually cooler in Austin than it is in Denver. I just looked it up. Mm -hmm. Three degrees. Yeah. uh, Denver is having, I should say Colorado, having some issues right now. Oh, yeah? Um, So it actually did get down uh, into the 50s the other day, which was great. I made soup. It was amazing. I love soup. Um, But the problem with that is that because of the change in weather, there was a lot of wind. And so the Cameron Peak fire, which had been semi-contained, is no longer semi-contained. Oh, no. (laughs) And is a fact, now the largest wildfire in Colorado history. So our air quality has plummeted and is expected to continue to plummet and i actually even have a girlfriend who um her whole family had to be evacuated because she lives up in the mountains and yeah so Ooh. you might where in the mountains do they live uh i don't remember i don't know the exact town that she lives in and i wouldn't say it on the podcast anyway but <laughs> oh okay yeah um no it's it's not it's not particularly far from denver from boulder i should say I think she was like a 40 minute drive because she, she is part of my um, writer's group on Tuesday. Oh, are um, you afraid that we would be able to identify her based on where she lives? And that she is a friend of mine and I'm, depending on how things go, might have to post some fundraisers. <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Um, so just, you know, good thoughts towards Colorado because there is zero rain in the forecast at all and a lot of wind. That's a very dry area. It's like so dry. I'm I'm dying. 
I'm dying. Don't die. I'll try not to. I made brownies, so at least, you know. Uh, do we want to talk about hockey? Maybe? I mean, we've got a little bit to talk about. I mean, I guess. Technically, we should talk about hockey on our hockey podcast. That is what the people come to us for. Our hard-hitting analysis. Is it what the people come to us for? There's no way people come to us for this. Come on. Come on. So there was one major thing that has happened in the past two weeks since we last recorded, and that is the signing of Anton Hudobin. Okay, well, that happened too. (laughs) That wasn't what I was going for. (laughs) But it is one of the very first things that happened. Uh, so we have moved officially into free agency, and we were all very worried for a moment because Anton Kudobin, Kudobin said that he was going to be testing free agency, but then so did every other goalie in the NHL, and the Stars were able to re-sign him. Thank the dear sweet baby Jesus. It's honestly, like, I don't, I would love Hudobin to continue to be an excellent goalie for us. But more than that, I am just really happy that somebody I like so much has stayed with the team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, everything I keep hearing about him as a as a dude in the locker room is so great. He's so like everybody loves him. He's consistently everybody's favorite teammate. And I'm just happy that we have somebody who's that like important to the team. Mm-hmm. Like morally and, you know, as a culture kind of guy, then, then, and who also can play. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, and like, honestly, like for somebody who could have tested free agency and probably would have gotten picked up, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he probably could have gotten more money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, if he had wanted to move to a different place, a different city or something like that. So like that, he took what was 3.5 million AAV. To stay in Dallas is, I think, a really, a good indicator of the relationship he and the team have. And that makes me happy. so nice. It's so, it's, honestly, it's very beautiful to see, like, that kind of, that the stars instill that kind of, like, feeling in people that they want to stay, even though they're not making as much because they like where they are. Mm -hmm. It's so much nicer than, like, the story... (laughs) Like the story that Andrew Carcillo told about playing for Philly, <laughs> how he felt like a like a piece of meat there, like they didn't give a shit about him. Yeah, not to like throw Philly under the bus. I don't know what the culture is like now, but at one point it was apparently really awful. Yeah, and I can believe that. I yeah, I'm just sensitive to the other the players of other teams who might be our friends who listen to this podcast sometimes. Yes, I don't know why you're listening to a Dallas Stars podcast, but if you are, um, I don't hate your team unless you're the Abs. Or another team that I hate, like the Ducks. Or, you know, basically anybody in the West that's not the Stars. And also the Lightning now, and... Uh... Fuck the Lightning. <laughs> who, won the Star- who won the Stanley Cup? I don't know. I didn't watch it. Uh, we do have one reader, or one listener question to get us kicking... Kick thing- I haven't podcasted in two weeks. To kick wow. things off! <laughs> wow. <laughs> professionals wow. we're professionals at this point we did have listeners and now we no longer have listeners listen friends you're getting what you pay for mm-hmm. you pay nothing for this so you get nothing yeah, you get 60 minutes of something 
60 minutes of us like talking out our asses. All of the time. Andrew, too cool for Kelly, LA asks, who is a player you wish the stars had gone for in free agency? Who is a player you were afraid they would have gone for? So pie in the sky, if the cap salary cap didn't matter. That was very noisy. I don't, what the fuck was that? Was it the tornado warning? No. It was like a fucking ghost or something. Weird. I think this podcast's haunted. That's entirely possible. Okay, so pie in the sky. If salary cap didn't matter, I would love to see what Taylor Hall can bring to the scoring problems of the Dallas Stars. And kind of in a similar vein, though way less salary cap issuey, I was really hoping they would go for Tyler Toffoli. Yep. That was the one I I thought, okay, it's a little bit out there, but maybe, but, it, you know, I knew he wasn't going to bring in Taylor Hall money. So I was yeah. kind of like, this could, this could work. This could That's work. why I'm pretty sure it's Toffoli. To, sure. Toffoli. Since when have I said a name correctly on this podcast? Literally never. Literally. You say your own right sometimes. But that's even dicey. <laughs> Caroline? Uh, Wilk. Caroline Wilk. Yeah. Not, I, that, Toffoli is the only one I really actually wanted. Like, just looking. It, well, Kidobin as well, but. Right, of course. But we got him, so. Yeah, that's the that's the one we, we needed. Um, player I'm afraid they would have gone for. I'm glad they didn't re-sign Corey Perry. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, honestly, that's the one I was just like, yeah. Um, oh, I liked the Mark Pizik pickup as well, because it was super cheap, and he's very serviceable at a super cheap level. He used to have some really good stats as far as, like, um, passing and zone entries and stuff like that. So I feel like in the right system with a, a, a good partner... Um, he can be a, a real asset. And again, he's making zero money comparatively. So like, yeah. there's no reason to not like that pickup. There's honestly nobody that I heard the stars were in on that I was like, oh, why? Yeah. Like their main concern is re-signing all their players. Oh, which I guess like they did re-sign Foxa for quite a long time, which I was a little bit like, Okay. Like, his salary isn't huge. Let me pull it up real quick. Because I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, 3.25. But it's a five-year contract. Yeah. For a third liner. Yeah. I was like, okay. That does seem, that does seem a little... Seems a little uh, excessive. Right? In the term. I mean, and... Roddick said, you know, in his little, like, post-contract interview that, you know, he was looking for term. But, and he was like, I guess it was between, like, a little bit higher-priced three-year contract and a lower-priced five-year contract. And I'm just like, but you're going to, maybe he is more tradable later down the line because it is a lower, a cheaper contract? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. probably. That one was a little weird to me. Holy shit. I just saw Alex Petrangelo's deal. Yeah. <laughs> what the 
fuck was Vegas thinking? No, I have no fucking clue. But like, you know, good on you, Alex. I guess get that bag. Okay, if you guys have not seen this, he signed a seven-year, $62 million contract. Uh-huh. That is $8.9 a year. Holy fucking Christ. How old is Alex Petrangelo? Uh, I don't remember. Hang on. Dang Hang it. on. Petrangelo. He is 30 right now, this very day. That is fucking wild what the fuck okay speaking of okay speaking of old dudes that i would have not mind had been signed joe thornton yeah um his contract with the leafs is only 70 uh, again i would not mind adding joe thornton power play specialist for seven hundred thousand. I would have loved to purchase year. a Joe Thornton Stars jersey so I could finally be my Rule 63 self. Oh, so good. Wouldn't that have been amazing? That would have been so amazing. I forget. Who did we decide was my Rule 63? Did we decide that ever? I don't know that we ever did. did for anybody who is not familiar with the term, Rule 63 is like a gender flop. So like if you're a man, woman, whatever. But like obviously we're doing it in hockey terms. Uh-huh. So my rule of 63 is Joe Thornton. I am old. I am specialized in certain areas, but not in others. And I'm very grouchy. <laughs> and you could give less of a fuck. I could give less of a fuck. Um... But I do I do get really mad about certain things, just the way he does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to figure that one out. We'll come back to that. We don't... I mean... God, Taylor Hall and his $8 million contract. Yeah, that's so much. It's so much. It's so <sighs> much. So I actually... Okay, let's talk about this for a second. So Taylor Hall and, to a lesser extent, Tyson Berry, um, both took one-year contracts for a fairly significant dollar amount with bad dash, bad teams. Bad teams. Um, Berry's playing for the Oilers next year, and Taylor Hall is playing with Buffalo. And they're just... Again, both one-year contracts. And the reason they did that is that they assume they'll be able to get better contracts coming out of next year. It's easy to look amazing when you're on a shit... Well, not easy. It, it can be easy to look amazing when you're on a shitty team. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl played with uh, Connor McDavid this past year and won the Hart Trophy, right? So, like, He sure did. I know what Tyson Berry is going for. But I guess my question to you is, with the uncertainty going into the 2021 season, that it's probably not even going to start till January or February. If it starts at all. If it starts at all, given the current spike. um, Is this the time to bet on yourself? Uh, No. No, because what do they do if they if we if there's never a 2021 season? And then, you know, like I don't see I don't know how the contracts are working. If they don't have a season, what does that mean for anything? Does the does the, it's like the contract up then because there just wasn't a season for that contract or mm-hmm. do you still get paid if there's no game? I don't know. I don't know either. Well, so signing bonuses are guaranteed. 
Sure, but like the whole like I mean I would assume that there's like I don't know. I would assume at this point there's writers in the contract on like if the season doesn't get played, blah 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 doesn't happen. Well, they definitely do have like a weekly pay structure. Sure. Um What am I looking for? I'm looking for Buffalo. There we go. Let's see. Let's see what Taylor Hall's signing bonuses are. I just uh Oh no. I, what Taylor Hall only has a million dollars in signing bonus. Uh, he is going to be living at home eating ramen this year. Just kidding. A million dollars is <laughs> His enough million to live dollar ramen bonus. <laughs> He's getting the fancy ramen from that place downtown. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah. He's getting um, ramen. Yeah, he he's gonna be fine on a million dollars. Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, okay, so if it were me and I was going into this season, I would not expect this to be my showcase season. I would have. I would have, and especially knowing that Tyson Berry got better offers from better teams. Like, I do not understand his reasoning here. I don't know what was on Taylor Hall's plate, but I, like, it was reported that T- Tyson Berry turned down better offers to go to Edmonton. I think I think Barry really just wanted to play with Connor McDavid. Like, I, I mean, I guess, but also why? Wait for to wait for Connor McDavid to get drummed out of Edmonton first. You know what's gonna happen? He hasn't won them a cup yet. I know, I know. All he's done is get older and sadder, and the pictures that are taken of him. And test positive for COVID. That's and all. test positive for COVID. Yeah, I and, dre- and dress like Trump for Halloween. Well, that was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? I think so, but still, that's something that happened since he got there. That's true. I, yeah, I don't think I, I don't know. Like, I like the audacity of I'm going to take a high value one year contract. I really do like it as a play. I just, well, so the other thing is, and this is true across a couple sports now, but we know for a fact, like the salary cap isn't going up. Hockey is a hard cap sport. And so even if it goes up next, like how do we expect revenues to go up next year with a short no. season? No. Like, I mean, over last year, maybe, but not over like many years. And especially if they have to play semi bubble hockey, which it sounds like they are going to have to play semi bubble hockey. Like somebody, someone was talking about his contract they signed and I can't remember who the player was, but it was the agent was saying, oh, well, um, it's fine. They're going to be in the Canadian division. So like, it sounds like they're also going to have to do like re-sort things because American players are going to have a really hard time getting into Canada next year. And like, I just, I just don't see revenues increasing a whole lot if at all right yeah potentially contracting again as people are forced to stay home and stuff like that especially with the internationality of it and Canada having a very different covid response and what we're seeing and we're already seeing some impacts of that with the, the stars team uh, the stars furloughing a lot of their employees again Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you saw why though, because Gallardi. Uh, I didn't. I had never actually looked into where Gallardi got all of his money, but it's all in the hospitality industry. Uh huh. Like he, <laughs> he owns a bunch of hotels, and who's staying in them right now? Exactly. Though wasn't one of the hotels used for the bubble one of his? I don't know. I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I don't remember if it was in Toronto or if it was in Edmonton, but one of the hotels used in the bubble, at least for the initial like teams, uh-huh. um, before everything contracted. Um, was one of Gallardi's properties. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I just, I just thought it was like, oh, okay. You know who else is going to the Buffalo Sabres? No. Who is a redhead that haunts your dreams? Other than the clown from It? A hockey player. I don't know. I don't know. You don't, re- you don't remember any redheaded hockey players that used to take up valuable first line space on the Dallas Stars? Holy shit. No. Cody Eakin! Oh my god. Did not see that. <laughs> yeah, he went to the Buffalo Sabres in a two year, $4.5 million contract. So, Taylor Hall, good luck getting showcased when you are on a line with Cody Eakin. <laughs> oh, man. Last from the past, Cody Egan. Oh, Mike Smith's going back to the Oilers. <laughs> to my revenue point, though, um, the other offseason that has started right now is the Overwatch League. So the esports that I follow. And it's a bloodbath. So a way, the way a lot of those contracts were structured in esports is that it's like a one-year contract with a one-year extension option or a two-year contract with a one-year extension option. And obviously this was the third season, so pretty much anybody who had the two plus one or a one plus one is done if they want to. And like almost every team has dumped like half their roster. Dang. And it's kind of ridiculous. And I, I, and they had a very similar problem in that a lot of these teams were betting on homestands where like actual in-person fan events with ticket sales and merch sales and all of that to be their big revenue generators. And those got shut down in March. That sucks. And it's in a completely international league, right? They've got two teams in Canada. They've got several teams in the U.S. They've got a team in France and London uh, and several teams over in Asia, China and, and Korea. And, like, I honestly kind of expect that their minor league players, minor league players who wouldn't get a shot in any other year, are going to get signed for 2021 because they don't want to pay the experienced players because they don't have any revenue. And they don't even know if there's going to... It looks like their season is going to be contracted, too. Um, usually it starts in like late July, late January, early February, but it looks like this is going to start in April now in large part because they don't know if they're going to be able to have home stands yet. So they can't plan. And so it's like a whole fucking thing. Like no one's making any money on sports right now. So all of the players are getting shafted. That sucks for all of them. Yep. 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 Um, I somehow missed that Braden Holtby left the Washington Capitals. Oh, yeah. 
Um, is Henrik Lundqvist going to be their number one? I think so. I think that's the plan. They have another guy um, who's supposed to be pretty good, and I don't remember his name. Is it Phoenix Copley? No. Is it... That's Henrik Lundqvist. Ilya Samsonov? Yes, that's the one. He is currently on injured reserve. Well, we don't know when the season's starting, so he's probably going to be fine. (laughs) They also have Vitek Vanacek, which is an amazing name. Yes. Um, But I wouldn't be... He's from the Czech Republic. I wouldn't be surprised if Lundqvist is their starter, but maybe potentially goes to kind of a platoon as Samsonov gets more time. Because Samsonov is like supposed to be their like... Yeah, that's what I said. What's the, what are you what are you trying to say? Platoon. Oh, when you you deploy both more equally. That's okay. That's what a lot of times it's called. I'm not making that up. A plat. How do you spell that word? Like like the military term platoon. P l a t o o n. No, I know how to spell platoon. Yeah. I've just never heard the word used in the way they're using it. Oh, well, I mean, I've heard it used that way in a sports context, but I've never understood really why. Yeah, I've just never, I, I like, this is, I'm not used to having words surprise me. <laughs> I, so I, I'm really, yeah, okay. That is the weirdest thing I've ever, I've, like, okay, first of all, I hate the way that word is pronounced, if that's how you're supposed to say it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> but, like, it, it it's, I, I hate it. But, uh, yeah, I've literally never heard this word before. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not, obviously now I'm looking at the dictionary and you are, in fact, correct. I'm just, I, wow, I didn't know that word and I don't like the way it's pronounced. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Wow. I can't believe I taught you something. That doesn't usually happen. Well, you're, yeah, no. Um, I am freely admitting that I did not know something. Yes, that is what's happening on this podcast right now. Mark it down. 126 episodes later. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my soul a little bit. So I just want you to know that I'm going to be insufferable for the rest of this podcast. All right. Well, let's move on to something slightly less suffering then. Uh, God, I feel like I had a theme song for this. Oh, quarantine quarantine what are you up to in quarantine uh i've been reading a shit ton of books and also catching up on critical role because we started a new D campaign so that makes it three that i am actively involved in and one that we are currently not playing much if at all but may in the future at some point um and the third, the new one that I've started is set in Wildmount, which is where the Critical Role campaign is. So I wanted to see what the Critical Role dudes are doing. So anyway, I've watched like four episodes of that in the last two weeks, which if you know how long those episodes are, you will know how impressive that is that I've made it through four. <laughs> so anything, anything good that you've been reading? Anything you should, our, re- our listeners should read? Well, okay, so there was that meme that was on um, Twitter the a couple of weeks ago that was like, uh, your Netflix special documentary is like the 
the movie that won Best Picture the year that you were born, and the actress that won, starring the actress that won Best Actress the year you turned ten. Mm-hmm. And so I Googled, and Google did me wrong because it told me that the answer was Ordinary People, starring Kathy Bates. So I went and actually, like, when I got the book, Ordinary People, because I got the book, because why watch the movie when you can read the book instead? I got the book, and the book says one Beck's picture in 1980. And I was like, I wasn't born in 1980. What the fuck? So then I looked it up, and it was actually supposed to be Chariots of Fire, starring an actress whose name I now cannot remember. But either way, it was the wrong movie and the wrong actress. But the point is I'm now reading Ordinary People, and I really, really greatly enjoy it. I also listened to a mystery on Audible that I enjoyed, and that was called Still Life by Louise Penny, who is a um, Canadian author, and it's set in Quebec um, in a small town that's like close to the U.S. border. And that was really good. And now I'm listening to a book called Anxious People. <laughs> it's by Frederick Bachman, the, um, I think he's Swiss. No, Swedish? Mm-hmm. He's Swedish. Uh, he's the guy that wrote A Man Called Ove, I think was one of his bigger books. Um, he's written a ton of books, but like, they're kind of, um, it's called Anxious People, but it's kind of, they're lighthearted, kind of funny um so far anyway and that's how i've seen them described other places so hopefully that sticks out even though it's a book about a bank robbery gone wrong thanks yeah so nothing that i've read recently has really been like knock me over the face amazing except for um there are these two like novellas that i read that are connected it's called the green hollow duology they're by emily tesh one is called silver in the wood and the other was drowned country and they're like fantasy they were really good you should read them Cool. I've had such a problem reading books recently, and I think it's I think it's a hundred percent because it takes a lot of mental processing, especially when you don't know how something's going to end up. Um, to to just follow that journey, and a lot of, honestly, I'm I am that TV watcher that just kind of has it on in the background. So like, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> oh, okay. My entire life, my entire life. I have been somebody that if I start getting too anxious about where a story is going to end up, I flip to the end to find out. Oh, I can't do that. I, I, it's, it, it's probably sacrilegious, but I cannot, I cannot handle that pressure and that, that anxiety. I, I will, I will alleviate myself of that anytime I can. Yeah. It's harder when you're reading ebooks or listening to audiobooks, which is why, like, I kind of reserve ebooks and audiobooks for, Things I'm more sure of will have a like like mysteries where you know you know that they're gonna find the murderer you know yeah so um, but I've been watching a lot of TV recently um, I watched this one Korean drama and I don't recommend it so like let me preface this don't watch this I watched it for you so that you don't have to watch it. <laughs> Well, thank God. Why should we not watch it? Um, It's a K-drama called Boys Over Flowers. And it's actually a very, very famous Japanese manga. Um, Shoujo manga. So, like, a girl romance drama thing. Um, But I watched it because it's so uh, ubiquitous in Korean culture. Like, everybody fucking knows Boys Over Flowers. And so I've been, like, it's referenced in other dramas I've seen. Like, that kind of cultural impact. 
And it was not good, but it was deeply hilarious to me in large part because it was from 2009, not that long ago, 11 years, did not know how to sound mix to save their life. Oh no. And one thing I have been enjoying about Korean culture, and this has been true across pretty much every drama I have watched, which is run the gamut from like super cheesy rom-commy shit to straight up just like a office drama. They tend to be almost a little bit more Chinese in in cultural in in that it's a little bit louder, people yell a little bit more. Like there is a politeness aspect to to Korean culture. Quite a bit of politeness aspect, I shouldn't say. But it's not like as reserved as like, for instance, Japan, which is an extremely polite and reserved society. So it's like, and it's not nearly as loosey-goosey as like a lot of like Chinese stuff. You know, it's kind of in, in between there. So this whole drama focused on uh, this girl, Chandi. And she's kind of girl from the wrong side of tracks, extremely poor, whatever. Ends up getting invited to this very elite school on a scholarship because she saved some boy's life. Rich ass boy's life. And there she confronts these four guys who are like all the sons and heirs of like the richest men in Korea. And they're known as F4. And like, it's worth it maybe just to watch the first episode for the hair and the fashion. What if I just look up screen shots instead? You should look up. Yes, but you got it. With the wind blowing through the curls and the mullets, it's, you don't have to watch the whole episode, but you gotta, it's, it's just so much. Why are there so many mullets? That was a thing! That was a thing! That is horrifying. It's hilarious. It is deeply, deeply hilarious. And anyway, it wasn't good. It had like more ridiculous plot twists than fucking Riverdale. And it was 25 episodes. And unlike American TV, those are actual hour long episodes. And like, she ends up with the dude that she's, you know, like destined to end up with in the end. But like, that dude's a dick. Like pretty much the whole way through, 100% a dick. And they, they try to give him, like, this tragic backstory and this evil mother and stuff like that. So you sympathize with him and, like, understand why he's pushing her away when he starts pushing her away. But, like, no, nah, not here for so, it. So <clears throat> what kept you going back to this show? Uh, persistence. Like, on, like, just, like, well, I'm this far. And for a minute, I did wonder if she was going to end up with the other guy who was actually nice to her. <laughs> but apparently, ladies don't like it when men are nice to them. No. Is what I keep hearing. Yeah, yeah. So if Boys Over Flowers is to be believed, they do not. They yeah. do not. Um, but yesterday, I actually started, I don't know, I was in a funk, and I just kind of wanted um, something nice and soothing. And... Uh, I realized that Hulu has the Anthony Bourdain show, No Reservations. Yeah, it does. 
And so I was watching, I watched like seven episodes of that in the background while I just bummed around on the internet. And man, I miss Anthony Bourdain so much. Yeah. Like celebrity deaths that actually made me cry. Anthony Bourdain. And like, but, and not everything about him was perfect, right? Like he still used a lot of misogynistic language and stuff like that. And, but like, he was a guy who really, especially in the end of his television career, really, really wanted to do right by cultures. Mm-hmm. And when I watch his show, yeah, it's obviously a lot of food porn, and that's what I'm here for. But he, I don't, I don't know, it's one of those things where you don't, it doesn't feel exploitative. No, yeah, because he actually took the time to go into a culture and learn about them and talk to the people who are there and, and find out what their techniques for cooking are and all that kind of stuff. Like, he was very respectful. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of brings me a little bit to one of the things that we had planned on coming back to and then just and never did. No, for so long we forgot to come back to this. Um, but now is the perfect time. Which is our favorite episodes of TV all time. And yes. I'm going to throw out there um, the Anthony Bourdain episode where he's getting uh, the Lebanon episode. I think it's No Reservations. Because that's he's in Lebanon when the war starts with mm-hmm. Jordan, I think it was. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But there's basically bombs being dropped on Lebanon. And he and his crew are in Lebanon <laughs> and, like trying to get evacuated. How many of these, how many episodes do you have on your list? Did you make a list? I did make a list and I found it. I only Mm -hmm. have three episodes on my list. Shit, I have more. Okay. I'll pick my favorites of this list. Okay. Or I'll do a couple and then you do one and then I'll do a couple. Sounds good. So the first. Go ahead. Hands down, first one on this list was Two Cathedrals, the West Wing episode. Which is what inspired this entire conversation. This is what inspired this entire conversation because I had been rewatching The West Wing when we had that when we did that episode and I talked about how that's one of my favorite episodes of TV. So yeah, it's it's the one where Mrs. Lendingham has died and um, Jed Bartlett is in a cathedral all by himself because he can do that because he's the president and he he starts and this is the thing that I found truly amazing about this episode is he starts yelling at God in Latin and that's just fucking Jed Bartlett for you because he speaks enough Latin or he knows enough of a dead language to be able to yell at God in Latin but yeah so it was it was just a very beautiful hour of TV it was very sad it we were, everybody cried uh, it was raining his like cats and dogs in this episode, and then he goes sopping wet to announce that he's rerunning for president. It was it was just a beautifully crafted hour of television, like one of the, like the, literally the best of that entire series. Uh huh. One hundred percent. But like seriously, one of my absolute favorites. I just love it so much. It's so good. Uh, the next one I have on this list is from Firefly. I know that Joss Whedon has, like, we, we all hate Joss Whedon for very good reasons, but I still do love his creations for the most part, while I understand that they are, they have a lot of flaws in them. Uh, and Firefly definitely has a lot of flaws, but On the Drift was a very great episode. And that is the one where they've run out of gas, and they were, that something broke in the ship, they couldn't move, and um, they had... Like, the two shuttles left, and Malcolm Reynolds was there on the ship by himself trying to figure out how to fix it. 
And they were running out of air, too, and um, he kind of, it's the one where he goes back and kind of thinks about how all of these people came to the ship and became his family and are really important to him. And it was just a very beautiful episode. That's and a good one. there's this whole thing with the red button where he pushes the red button to call them back. And um, when the show got canceled, they gave the red button, the prop, to Joss Whedon and said, if... If, if this happens, if it gets picked up by somebody else, if we get to make the movie, whatever, push the red button and we'll all come running back. And that that story just made me, back when I loved Joss Whedon, that story just made me so happy because I loved that show and I wanted it to keep going. Although now I know if it had kept going, it would have been horrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, what we got was perfect. <laughs> what the, the, the several episodes of that show that we have are amazing and beautiful and i can think of any like any number of ways it could have gone that would not have been the way that joss whedon took it Mm -hmm. um my first perfect episode is from avatar the last airbender um it's the southern raiders which happens in season three and it's the episode where katara gets her little adventure side quest with zuko um i hope you guys have all seen avatar the last airbender the tv show I have not seen a single episode, but I do not care if you spoil it. You should see it. You should watch it. I think you would really, really like it. Should I take off my headphones while you talk about it? That's probably not a bad idea. All right, I'm taking my headphones off. All right, spoilers Um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it is several years old. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to count to 60 and then I'm going to come back. Okay, so this is the episode where um, Zuko has kind of is trying to make amends with, with the gang and Katara goes with him to confront the man who actually killed her mother and it's a whole thing and it's right up there with me because the whole message of the episode is about forgiveness and letting go of anger which is a whole part of Zuko's journey that like Katara doesn't understand until that very moment and by letting go of her anger against this man she also lets go of a lot of her anger against Zuko himself and finds herself in a better, stronger place. And it's really, really moving. Okay, I'm done. We're just waiting for her. <laughs> 60. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. Okay. I, I, I'm I sorry. I was trying to figure out, because once I took my headphones off, I could still hear you talking. And I was like, shit, how do I do this? And so then I tried unplugging them. And then I remembered I have speakers on my monitor now, so that doesn't work because I could hear, still hear you talking. So, because on my old one, I couldn't. So then I was like, well, shit, what do I do? So then I just remembered, hey, you can use the keyboard to mute your stuff, whatever. So that's what I did. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Pay no attention to me. Okay, so my next perfect episode of TV is The X-Files. Um, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. I had nine seasons of TV to choose from, uh, but I really feel like seven, eight, and nine don't actually count. Um, but Jose Chung's From Outer Space is either in the third or the fourth season, and those seasons to me are like when that show was really at its peak. Mm-hmm. It had it had figured out what it was doing. It had really it had. A lot of attention on it, so it had a lot of budget. It had a lot of good actors that could come in. And Jose Chunks from Outer Space is one where um, it's a standalone episode, so one of those Monster of the Week type things, where a man who who writes about, you know, he writes about, um, what is he? I think um, he was a true crime author, but he came and interviewed um, Skull... I almost said Skulder. <laughs> <laughs> Scully. 
about um, this incident where um, these two people say they had been abducted. And so it's like, it goes through and it tells the story from all these different perspectives. And so you get it from this perspective of the girl that got abducted, then the boy that got abducted, and the story changes every single time. They go under... um, uh, hypnosis and the story changes again. You hear it from Mulder's perspective and like this, uh, this little guy that they met on the woods, his perspective. And like, it's deeply hilarious in a lot of different ways. And also like very thought provoking and interesting. There's a part where <laughs> there's a part where Mulder walks up to a dead body and the, and the guy says that he went, Wah! <laughs> like super loud and like high pitched. And Alex Trebek is in it. Very randomly, as one of the men in black, because the guy was like, they made they made it look like Alex Trebek because then nobody would believe me. But you believe me, right? And the other was like, what? No. And the other the other black man in black was Jesse Ventura, which I also thought was very hilarious. But this was also before he was like the governor for a little while. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's it's just a very good episode, and the end of it um it just has this very sad message about how, um. You know, we think we have these shared experiences, but we all all experience them in different ways. And so what we think are these things that bring us together can sometimes drive us apart. Mm-hmm. And it was just such, it's such a, I don't know, it's it's a funny but also very thought-provoking episode, and I really loved it. Um, my other, my next one is um, The Six Southern Gentlemen um, of Tennessee, that episode of Sports Night. I don't know if you've ever watched that show. I haven't. So it was Aaron Sorkin's show before he did West Wing. I don't think it was his first, but it was one of his early ones. It was very, very, it's, if you ever watch it, it's very, very mid nineties. It mm-hmm. looks mid nineties. It acts mid nineties. It talks mid nineties, but it's a, it's a show about a sports show. So like everybody in it is um, like puts on this nightly sports show where they do sports. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and this was back when hockey could have zero, zero ties. <laughs> So one of the anchors fucking hates hockey because he was like, let's talk about the sheer pointlessness of a zero zero tie. <laughs> I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's talk about that. But the Sixth Southern Gentleman of Tennessee was their Christmas episode in their first season. And it was um, the a player had uh, walked off of his college football team because the I can't it was in Mississippi, but I can't remember which college it was. But basically, that the the school flew the Confederate flag at the stadium, oh. and he he was a he was a black player, and so he walked off, and he was he was somebody who had been like, um, you know, basically hard sought after by the team, and nothing was really going to happen to him. But six other players also walked off with him. And that's why it's called the Six Southern Gentlemen, because they, they walked off with him in a show of solidarity, but they're all on scholarships. And so if they don't play, they ha- they're they going to get kicked out of school. And so basically, the guy that owns the channel, Luther Sachs, calls Nathan Jaffe, who is the um, producer of the show, mm-hmm. and ask, tells him, hey, you have to go on air and give like an editorial about, you know, the culture of the confederate flag and what it stands for and all this kind of stuff and nathan jaffe is also black mm-hmm. and so luther Sachs was asking this black man to get on there and defend the flying of the confederate flag and um so he gets on and what he does instead is um praise the six southern gentlemen of tennessee for walk was it tennessee it's tennessee not mississippi sorry tennessee um for uh walking off and, you know, basically says, we have your backs, and then challenges Luther to, to call the school and say, 
if they don't stop f- flying the flag, that he's going to pull his funding and he's going to stop supporting them financially. And, you know, and it, there was also this kind of subplot of um, one of the anchors having gone on The View and talked about, like, what he wears because um, he's a snappy dresser. But it's all, you know, he's dressed for show, for the show by the people at the, the station that handle that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the assistants to the person who dresses him ca- comes in and it's played by the woman who plays Donna Moss, which I always loved, Janelle Maloney. Mm-hmm. Um, but she uh, she comes in and she's like, I think you hurt her feelings because you basically took... Uh, you, you, you used the opportunity to highlight something that she had done to make a joke about yourself and basically to take uh, to take credit for this. And so the way that the episode ends is Nathan Jaffe's on the phone with Luther, Tha- Luther Sachs probably getting his ass chewed out. And um, the two anchors like start pointing, like, you know, highlighting all the people that work on the show and thanking them for their um, for their contributions. And it was just it's just this really cool and very beautiful episode of TV that's kind of like talking about social issues like well before other people were really talking about social issues like that and also like just highlighting contributions of people and how amazing they are so uh I'm gonna do so my next episode is one I know you haven't seen because we've talked about it and you should everybody should watch Dairy Girls Literally. I have not seen it. I've watched the first episode, but it's one of those things where I like it and I want to watch more of it, but I get keep getting distracted by other things. You have to watch it. It's so fucking funny. So this, I think, is like either the last episode or the second to last episode of the first season. And I think it's the second to last episode. But And I don't even remember the title of it, but I call it the stowaway episode. So the plot of Dairy Girls, or the situation, because it's a sitcom, is that it's... Um, the 90s in Derry, Ireland, Northern Ireland, during the Trouble. So you've got, you know, Protestants and Catholics and oh, the yeah. IRA and all of that. And But, I mean, it's a comedy. It's straight up a teen comedy. And it's fucking hilarious. But this particular episode is they are all having to get out of Derry because there's, like, a, a march coming through. And they're a Catholic family. And... Um, so they're all packing their cars and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of checkpoints and all of that that they have to go through. And it's a little bit, everything's super heightened security right now because of uh, the, a recent bombing. And so like people are looking for this, you know, people who could potentially have been involved in that. And turns out the guy's in their trunk. <laughs> oh, but, wow. <laughs> but the best part of this particular episode is that uh, Jerry is the dad and he is like the straight man in the comedic sense uh though he is assumably straight as well in the tv show but he's the straight guy of all of these jokes of all of the family jokes he's the one who gets shit on constantly and it's just an excellent episode for him being right about everything (laughs) but being shit on constantly and it is so fucking funny (laughs) Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so Dairy Girls is some of the best comedy writing I have seen in a really long time. All right, I am going to race through these next few. Okay. Because we're so, we're going so long. We're going really long. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, so Day of the Doctor, which is the 50th episode, uh, 50th anniversary episode of uh, Doctor Who. And it is um, just this really great episode that brings two different doctors actually technically three different doctors together and then also a fourth guy who played the doctor but was not being the doctor in the episode anyway great episode uh dragonfly and amber from outlander which is the um 
I believe it is the season finale for the third season of Outlander. And it is punch you in the face sad, but also really, really fucking amazing. And then the last one I want to bring up is um, Janet's uh, In the Good Place. The (gasps) one where Janet plays everybody. (laughs) That one's so good. God, that episode is so amazing. Uh, So yeah, Uh, those are those are those are a smattering of my very favorite episodes of TV. My last one was when I was thought you might actually pick as well. Uh, it's Doctor Who. Don't blink. I see. I I was I didn't want to pick two episodes of Doctor Who, but Don't Blink was my would have been one of my others. So but I actually Day of the Doctor is just so fucking good. Yeah, Day of the Doctor is really good. Uh, but Don't Blink is it's a Monster of the Week kind of episode, but so good. And the thing the thing that fun is funny about Don't Blink is that the Doctor is in it for maybe five minutes. Yeah, but I. I fucking hate horror. I hate it. Me too. And this is one of the scariest things I have ever seen. Legitimately terrifying. Legitimately terrifying. But I loved every minute of it. I I, I get really anxious around stone angels now. I same. absolutely do. I'm like, oh God, oh God, don't blink. <laughs> Keep staring at it. Yeah, Ooh. it's like that show, that episode. And Carrie, like... All props to Carrie Mulligan. If it were not for her, that show would pro- that episode would probably not be as scary as it is. But she is so fucking good in it. Yeah, I mean it. It's snappily written. It's like it's one of those episodes that doesn't rely a whole ton on special effects. Yeah, but is manages to fucking make you want to shit your pants. Like, it's yeah, so good. A lot of, I mean, a lo- that show, a lot of their effects are actually practical effects because they don't, like... They don't have a whole their, budget, bu- yeah. They don't have a whole budget. So a lot of the effects are practical effects, and they're and when they're not practical effects, you can absolutely tell because they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that, sh- that, show was, that show had some really good writing in it. And it did. Those two episodes, absolutely the best. Uh, I'm going to skip Star's charts, and I think we should come, because we have got two questions stars do we also want to skip happy things because we've gone on so long now yeah we'll skip happy things this week we talked a lot about things that have made us happy yeah and i don't have a different thing (laughs) i don't really either so that's fine all right reader questions do you want me to go first or you go first it doesn't matter sabrina asks dream canadian versus u.s team 2018 women's hockey yeah, right. Like, honestly, <laughs> with Blake Bolden on the U.S. team, it is a fucking travesty that Blake Bolden never played for the U.S. women's hockey team. Fucking agreed. Love her. Mm-hmm. So that's the one change I would make. I would put Blake Bolden on the U.S. team. Yeah. Done. You go. Julia, friend of the podcast, Julia, asks, based on the current astrological signs in the Stars roster... If you were drafting, what signs would you advise they draft for for maximum compatibility? What do we have a great concentration of? Uh, Geminis and Cancers. That's what we do. Best friends for Geminis. We need more air signs like Libras and Aquarius, apparently. Uh, Cancer friendship compatibility. Pisces for Cancers. Oh, God. Yeah. That's it. 
one says oh, Apparently, the bond with a fiery Aries for Gemini can be particularly magical. So, I like the idea of that. I don't know that we have... I don't remember if we have an Aries. Yeah, Stephen Johns. Stephen Johns oh. is an Aries. Well, does he really count, though? Not anymore. Bless his heart. My poor, poor Stephen, Stephen Johns. Johns. Bless your heart. Hey, did you... Okay, I still have this tab open on my computer. Do you know what they call people from Connecticut? No. It's a nutmegger. No. Yes. They call people from Connecticut nutmeggers. I will not. <laughs> There's a whole ass Wikipedia page about it. <laughs> don't. I don't want it. I don't want it. I need to find people from Connecticut just so I can call them nutmeggers. Okay, uh, Captain Celery asks, thoughts on Honka maybe possibly coming back? I'm actually all for it. Me too. I like him. Old murder eyes. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Nope, we have to double check something first. Oh, what what sign is he? <laughs> I think he's a Capricorn. <laughs> His birthday is December 3rd. It's a Sagittarius. Sagittarius, that's a, that's a fire sign. Perfect. Well, let's take him back. All right. Also, have you ever done J. Nil for stars charts? Could explain his lack of anything interesting. So we have never done Jim Nil for stars charts, as far as I know. Um, I can't remember if we have or not, no. So I looked up his birthday. He is April 11th, which I believe he's an Aries, actually, for that. I um, think so, yeah. Yeah, just before, just, he's an Aries, so we got our fire sign there, compatibility. No wonder he draft signed so many Geminis. <laughs> he's looking for a new best friend. He's looking for a best friend. However, I brought back, I found our favorite stars charts ever to figure out more about him as a person. Do you remember primal astrology? I do. So... Jim Nil is. Where are you at? I was like, are you keeping me in suspense on purpose? What's going no, on here? No, I was reading 1959, which was better than 1958. Jim Nil is a Doberman pincher. <laughs> of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? Oh, my God. Dobermans are very focused inter individuals. Once they decide what they want, there is no stopping them. The downside is that they don't plan very well and that their impulsive actions can get them in trouble. Oh my God. They rarely worry about this though, as they have a way of bouncing back from most bad situations. I mean, not wrong. Dobermans have trust issues that stem from their own naivety. Oh, you have trust issues. <laughs> they are constantly wary of what to trust because they have a tendency to believe anything they are told. Oh, my God. Members of this sign are typically outgoing and adventurous and think that everyone should be. They enjoy taking others with them on their adventures, acting as guide and helper, hoping and expecting that everyone else will enjoy it as much as they do. Jesus, Pete. Despite their social difficulties, they are actually very caring. They will aggressively defend both people and beliefs that they care for and have a strong sense of justice, which sounds right. 
Those who can understand their inner needs and tolerate their bark need not be afraid of their bite. At the end of the day, Dobermans just want to be showered with affection and will not hesitate to show their loyalty in return. We know that. To be ha truly happy in their career, members of this sign must balance their sense of adventure with their inner humanitarian nature. Jobs where they can help others while living a bit dangerously suit them well. Uh, for Dobermans who don't fit into these types of jobs, the role of a lawyer is a good fit. Members of this sign love to argue and win, especially if they are defending the underdog. That explains a lot. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I forgot, by the way, that my primal sign is a peacock. Uh-huh. I don't know why I forgot that, but I did. Other Doberman pinchers. Uh, Jenny Slate. Okay. Seth Rogen. Okay. And my particular favorite from this list, Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh my god that's amazing yeah yeah i feel like i mean i feel like that's a really good profile of, uh, of jim neal hey summer glau speaking of firefly is also a peacock hey hey <laughs> and that's all we have for you today because we skipped like 18 things because we talked about tv for a very long time <laughs> yeah i really hope you guys enjoyed all of that talking about tv because i sure did i want to know what you guys think the best episodes of tv are yes please tell us we because want to know our loss were our, our losses our lists were clearly clearly not extensive like the most extensive well, I also left a few ones off of my list because I just, I, we talked about them for too long. But, but just to name them, I also had my screw up from Scrubs and a hundred clues from Psych. Also, Once More with Feeling from Buffy. Once More with Feeling is good. I think, I don't know if that's one of my, I don't think that's one of the best TV show, TV episodes of all time, but I think it is one of the most memorable TV episodes of all time. See, I had a, I, I went back and forth on what, like, whether I was going for best or most memorable, but the other one that I had from Buffy was Hush. I don't remember that one. That was the one with the gentleman, um, the big grins, and they everybody was silent, and, like, they came through and would kill people in their beds because they couldn't scream because they couldn't talk. Yee! Yes. That one was a creepy ass episode. Also, one of the like, <sighs> Buffy's boyfriend Riley was the worst. So bad, but such a bad boyfriend. But um, yeah, that episode. It was when she was in college and dating Riley, and that was when he found out that she was the Slayer. Interesting, interesting episode when they couldn't talk to anybody, but it was so good. Yeah. Um, as always. You can find us on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Classlicity. I'm on Twitter at Marinish. And our official Twitter is at Deep Heart Hockey. And if you have a question, comment, or want to talk more about your, email us about your favorite episodes of TV, you can email us at DeepHeartHockey at gmail.com. You can also um, find our official blog at uh, DeepHeartHockey.wordpress.com. Bye! Adios! Hi. Yeah, hey. Yeah, hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we are recording. We love the ice hockey. We love the ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>